Blaze Radio Network. And now, Reform This with Dr. Sudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me again. And if you're new, hope you enjoy a conversation about the latest on anti-Islamist reform, the latest on liberty, uh, countering the identity politics of the political Islamic groups, uh, the progressivists, and and so many others that uh, we talk about on this program, and uh, a little bit uh, for everyone, if you will. Uh, This week, there is the big story of what's happening in France. It uh, was covered a bit for a day or two here in the West. In America, um, not as much as it should have, as it portends, it foretells a, I think, a future uh, continued clash of civilizations, as it's been called, a civilizational clash between the West, secular liberal democracies, and those who immigrate to the West. Uh, supposedly, they come because they love the West, they love France, they love America, and yet, they're burning up our buildings. They're burning up our societies. And they constantly make statements about hate, how hateful they are about the West and how much they hate us because supposedly their propaganda is that we hate them, that we're racist, we're Islamophobic, we're anti-Arab, anti-Muslim. And yet they're rushing here to come here. It's a, it's a very interesting schizophrenic response of immigrants, isn't it? Yes, there's no doubt that there are those who are bigoted. There's no doubt that there are uh, a a palpable amount of intolerance. Uh, But how do you treat that? And is it something to generalize the society, the country, the national coherent national social contract in which you join when you come to the West to generalize about it as if you are coming to a place That's worse than the one you left, because I don't hear them complaining about Iran, Saudi Arabia, Syria, elsewhere, while those places are truly ablaze by their own government, by their own dictatorships through people that truly want to be free and are truly fighting fascism, and yet they get nary nary a recognition in the West by the Islamists, the Arabist Islamist movements that come here don't recognize what they left. We'll talk about that and what's happening in France. First, though, I have to get a I have to give a nod to the Supreme Court. Similarly, the Supreme Court, and I say similarly, obviously, it's a, just a little bit of an intersecting circle with what's happening with immigrants. But at the end of the day, this penchant to declare the country racist, this penchant to demand that we. We bow our heads and bend our knees at the altar of systemic racism and that somehow we have to, and as Doug Murray had a a great segment on Pierce Morgan's show in which he basically laid out, he said, you know, in a two-minute rant, see if you can find it online, 
But in his uh, rant, he basically said, it is absurd that all these people say that the West needs to pay reparations, needs to um, uh, come to Jesus because of its sins on slavery, and yet slavery continues in African countries and in the Arab, some of the Arab countries, and, and it is not only present today, but has been orders of magnitude greater. Now, this is not to compare evils, but at the end of the day, America had a civil war. Generations before, none of us, I've, I've never countenanced or, or had people that I would even call acquaintances or, or, or let alone friends that would ever espouse racist thoughts. It's abhorrent to what it means to be an American in which every immigrant coming here feels American on the day that they get here because it is a country with a dream in which everyone has equal access to constitutional protections, to economic success, to property ownership, and to being paid for the work that they put in versus having it taken by a socialist regime, by a fascistic regime that they left for political freedom here, for economic freedom here. And this is all key. And yet, somehow we're racist. Well, the Supreme Court has ruled otherwise in an excellent decision, six to three, they outlawed blatant racism in admissions practices. They looked at Harvard, they looked at North Carolina, and in the case it decided Asian Americans were being targeted for racist treatment by Harvard based on stereotypes about their personalities. George Wallace, as Mark Levin said, would have been proud of Harvard. He'd also be proud of the three radical left-wing activists on the court who voted for racism. And and, and if you read the minority opinions of the judges, it's it's... It's insane how just blatantly activist their opinions are. They're, they don't even, it, I'm not a lawyer and I can't even seem to find constitutional defense in their dissenting opinion. And since that opinion came out somewhat a week ago, the left media are claiming that resegregation of colleges is being practiced. They're talking about ways to bypass this requirement. Maybe looking at zip codes or other. I mean, this is blatant segregation, isn't it? And yet they're talking about ways to bypass it to continue to give certain races a leg up and other races a, da- a step down and not allow America to be at its roots what it, it's supposed to be, which is a meritocracy blind to faith, blind to race, blind to national origin. That's what the First Amendment's all about. And yet, we seem to be doing everything different. And when the courts come down, we hear Biden and others now claim that the court is corrupt, the court has lost its way. That's absurd. Affirmative action... You can make all type of utilitarian arguments that you'd like for affirmative action, but those arguments are utilitarian in which two wrongs make a right, in which if racism exists in area A, 
then we correct it by a reverse racism in order to correct the numbers. But what that does is it fuels a cultural war, and that's what we're ending. That's what we're entering, is this cultural conflict because the repair of any racism that Martin Luther King Jr. was fighting, right? He talked about a a, a racially blind society that we reward people not based on the color of their skin, but based on the merits of what they do. And now a conservative court has come down in favor of those very ideas in the application process to universities. And somehow this is a court that has lost its way and somehow the dissenting opinion, which is simply activism and not legal, is what the left is embracing. Hats off to the court for a valued opinion. We will see what happens over the next few years as hopefully we get back to academia, we get back to teaching and attracting our best and brightest. And you know there's probably other cases coming, oh, in the area of athletics. We can't even seem to separate what it means to be a man and a woman. Now somehow because of transgender activism, we're basically allowing women's sports to be dominated by men who just identify as being a woman. And somehow their personal identification seems to trump the reality of what they are, a reality that is ingrained in biology for since the beginning of mankind and the animal kingdom as far as two sexes are concerned. And this has also been discussed, but at the end of the day, again, it's about equality. It's about meritocracy. And it's about a fair playing field. Anyone who tells you, and as there's been so many good um, testimonies to Congress in the past few months of players that have literally stuck their neck out and taken on the establishment that has been in defense of transgenderism, infiltration into sports. Again, it's about meritocracy, it's about equality, it's about a fair playing field for all. Not simple footnotes that allow them to bypass the normal rules of society. Before we talk about the French riots and what it portends for the West, I I have to do a little footnote about the Iran nuclear deal. You know, I've talked about that here many times. And right now the Iranian, the pro-Khomeinist lobby in Washington, which is led by none other than Trita Parsi, who is doing that... um, supposed institute on non-intervention and yet it's simply a a cover for anti-americanism um in the quincy institute he tweets this week that he told cnn 
that Biden is not ready for the bloody fight on Capitol Hill that he would have to fight if there was a new formal nuclear agreement with Iran, and instead an informal, unwritten agreement, however, escapes the clause of Congress. Oh, so now all of a sudden the new argument is that Americans, Congress is just too stupid to deal with this that um, we don't really have representative government, that the president should go ahead and just pass these ridiculous treaties, which is exactly what the Congress is supposed to be ratifying and reviewing. And yet the Iran lobby in Washington, and this was not just Trita Parsi, Joshua Landis, the asset apologist from Oklahoma, who is married to the roots of the Assad family. Uh, Foreign policy is not Congress's forte, he said. Rarely do congressmen think about U.S. national (laughs) interests. Seriously? This is absurd, and this gets retweeted to hundreds and hundreds and, and, you know, over and over. And I bring this to your attention because we're getting close to where there's now intelligence that Iran might be on the verge of testing nuclear material, testing nuclear pre-weapons, if you will. I don't, it's, it's, it's scary. And ultimately, if that gets to the point, there will have to be military operations. They, they cannot acquire a nuclear weapon. Remember, their end of times eschatology is such that the 12th Imam will come when the world is ablaze and the, at the end of time. And that's when they will reach the nirvana of the Shia, Shia understanding of the end of times. And so why not for a country that started Hezbollah, which was the father of suicide bombing, why wouldn't they not do it as national fratricide? They might. And that's why they can never have a nuclear weapon. Now, let's talk about the riots in France. What does this mean? Out of nowhere, it wasn't really out of nowhere. France has been slowly smoldering with smoke here and there for decades. Since 9-11, I've talked many times about if you think things are in conflict in America and elsewhere in France where you have Muslims that are 11 plus percent of the population, you've got neighborhoods a, a ghettoization of society that's that's happened over over a very long time and areas in which the police don't police very often in which there's been significant separation and segregation and I've talked how in 2007 2008 I went to Europe did a program on citizenship and democracy in the Netherlands, for example, with the American embassy there and one of the Bush appointee ambassadors there. And I remember talking to kids in junior high school, 7th, 8th, ninth grade in high school, in which they were in religious schools. There were hundreds of religious schools in the Netherlands that were funded by the government. And their interpretation of equal opportunity was that there would be no discrimination against religious schools, so therefore the government would fund religious schools. I won't even go down that rabbit hole, but that's one of the dumbest policies ever for a government to fund religious schools, specifically foreign 
immigrant-based schools that that are not assimilating into the values of the, and the national identity of the country in which those families came to. And I'll tell you, when I was there, I remember talking to the kids, asking them how many, you know, what countries they're from. Most of them are from Algeria and Morocco. And how many of them loved the country? Almost every one of them raised their hand. How many of them would want to, if they could, live back where their families came from, their motherlands of Algeria and Morocco, and very few raised their hands. So ultimately, they loved the country, and then when I asked them why, articulating that was very difficult. So one of the messages I testified to their leadership, to their mayor, to their, in Amsterdam and elsewhere, was start having their students articulate what it is about this country that they love. What it is about the, the, the nation state and the social contract that they came to that's different from the countries they left and why they want to stay here and why they love being Dutch, why they love being French, German, and how they could be more so. It's interesting, Vivek Ramaswamy, one of the presidential candidates who declared a few months ago, has had a fascinating campaign, and and a week ago, he announced that he and his wife are donating a quarter of a million dollars to a scholarship that's going to have an essay contest about for students to write why they love America. And it's so simple, and yet we are finding ourselves on a day-to-day basis getting beat over the head with ideology from the progressivists and the far left that keeps trying to say how horrible America is and how racist it is and how much they hate this country the way it is because it's fascist and uh, and then they slip in political things and candidates and otherwise. So Vivek was smart to do that and others should follow suit, other philanthropists should follow suit and begin to in a tidal wave, a revolution, begin to reinvigorate what it is to love America. What's happened in France? Probably seen the videos, buildings, cars on fire, explosions, shootings in Europe's third largest economy. Some have even compared the footage to a war zone last week. While it's very dramatic to say the least, it uh, showed the extent of the unrest. Why was there so much unrest? Well, it was triggered. And again, this is sort of like their George Floyd, but a bit worse, if you will, in the in the bandwidth involved. Officer shot and killed a 17-year-old North African boy at a traffic stop. Prosecutor determined the need for an investigation for voluntary homicide. And it was... I believe the third killing this year during a police traffic stop after a record 13 deaths last year. Most of the victims by reports in liberal media have been black or Arab, according to French liberal media. A study by an independent French human rights watchdog that's being spread all over Twitter found that blacks and Arabs in France were 20 times more likely to be stopped by police 
Amnesty International, another bastion of far-leftist progressivism, has been critical of French police ethnic profiling and discrimination records. Protests were then kicked off because of this fueling of the sense of racism and and, and uh, flair with the police. 40,000 law enforcement personnel were deployed in response to the unrest with hundreds of arrests and more and more counting. Fears are mounting. The repeat of the 2005 riots, which were also sparked by a police chase and saw thousands arrested. So, what's happening? What can we learn from this? Is it systemic racism? You know, finally, I've talked about the, the, the leadership that even the liberal president of France, Macron, has shown by repeatedly, not just from one bully pulpit, but multiple times has talked about the need that immigrants begin to embrace the laïcité policies, which is that the core French identity is about the separation, the separation of religion and state. The core French identity is that they are French first and then other identities second. And he talks about the need to to defeat ideas of separatism and that we need to integrate in the country, the French country, of integrate the national identity and marginalize whatever identity separates them out in a separatist mindset. And he's speaking to the Islamists because the Islamists have repeatedly over and over, and I've talked to you about some of the not only acts of terror, but the Islamist movements that are constantly driving a wedge between their communities, their mosques, and the rest of society, and the progressivists have piled on. And I talked about this during the Black Lives Matter riots also that happened across the country. And you may recall in my piece in Newsweek two summers ago, talked about the world's red-green access that had come to our streets, that since 9-11 Muslim reformers had been at the forefront of the fight against global Islamist forces. Modern Islamism and its theocratic political ideologies aimed at replacing secular law with clerical interpretation of Sharia law. And it has made common cause with progressivists under the guise of social justice. Illiberal organizations such as CARE, Council on American Islamic Relations, the Islamic Circle of North America, Muslim American Society and others with significant Muslim Brotherhood legacy roots have become the community go-to sources for politicians and they're working hand in glove with the leftist progressivists and the perfect example is Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, the Islamists and Islamist sympathizers in Congress who are working hand in glove with the AOC progressivists. They formed a pseudo-progressive Orwellian movement that emerged and under the same spirit of political Islam globally, now fueled by 
funding from groups like the Soros Foundation and others has begun to want to decriminalize, defund the police, to empower attorney generals and others, county attorneys across the country who ignore crimes committed by, committed by immigrants, ignore appropriate sentencing, and basically has become a fuel for chaos in our streets. We're still trying to figure out if the folks that destroyed businesses to the hundreds and millions from Seattle to Florida are in any way going to pay for their crimes. Do the time. Black Lives Matter, like its American Islamist brethren, is avowedly neo-Marxist, anti-capitalist, anti-individualist, anti-democratic, and anti-American. It wants to erase and rewrite American history. It wants to destroy and rebuild her institutions and overthrow her political system. In short, it seeks to remake the entire country in its own image. That's what we see in France happening last week was the burning down of buildings and history and heritage. Take a look if you missed it. Look at European media. French media, BBC, British media was covering it. Ours hardly did. I don't understand. Those who seek to, who dare to criticize the movements are publicly shamed, canceled, fraudulently charged with racism, Islamophobia, regardless of whether they're black or Muslims themselves. And then whether it's on the streets of France or the U.S., or at the United Nations, where oppressive, despotic nations like China, Venezuela, Iran, Syria, Qatar work together, right? China, socialist fascist. Venezuela, socialist fascist. Iran, Islamist fascist. Syria, Arabist, Ba'athist fascist. Qatar, Islamist. All work together against American interests. They, they constantly obsess on Israel. They're anti-Semitic anti-semitic vitriol fills the airwaves in Iran and in the UN where the democracies are constantly on defense the countries that all of their citizens are trying to come to and yet there's little criticism of the real oppressive enslavement of their people that is happening within the countries of Iran Syria Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and on. I talked about this in which we talked about how the spirit of dismantling free enterprise is not only the progressivists, but the Islamists also. Linda Sarsour, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, they're not shy about their vision of restructuring America as a socialist state. Imams like Omar Soleiman, who opened the prayer at the U.S. Congress and was honored by Queen Pelosi, oh, I'm sorry, by Speaker Pelosi and one of America's leading Islamist clerics, hailed as a progressive voice for political change. And he said that America's democracy is problematic. He said that liberty, freedom, justice, mercy, and fairness are problematic 
Western notions as a Muslim. And then you wonder why Muslims are radicalized in America when these imams are saying this. And you wonder why Muslims are leading the charge of chaos on the streets of France. It should not be rocket science, ladies and gentlemen, that there is a penchant to want to sow the seeds of chaos and destroy the fabric of these countries from within as they come here not to embrace reform and modernization but instead they think to bring their utopia of islam which not only doesn't exist anywhere in the world but is a theocracy and 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 then we know that the islamists are on the street, the viral movement of anti-Westernism, anti-secular democracies. But then the other side of that same coin are the dictators. Whether it's Assad or the royal families and the Emirates and Dubai and Saudi Arabia, these are not Democrats. These are not liberals who are trying to free their communities into thinking on their own, into, um, you know truly modernizing and, and giving them property rights, etc. No, they want to control them through the use of their trillions and not for modernization, but just simply technology that continues to empower the autocrats, kleptocrats, and theocrats of their society. But yet, now we're swinging in which we're listening to these kleptocrats as somehow having wisdom. And they you know, in a vacuum, it seems like they do sometimes. And here's a, I want you to listen to this from 2017 at a conference in which the foreign minister of the United Arab Emirates said the following. There will come a day that we will see far more radical extremists and terrorists coming out of Europe because of lack of decision-making, trying to be politically correct, or assuming that they know the Middle East and they know Islam and they know the others far better than we do. And I'm, I'm sorry, but that's pure ignorance. And listen, while obviously many of us have said this right there, uh, it's not about identity politics. The Islamists are, are trying to deceive the West into thinking that it's their rights that are the problem when in fact they don't want to assimilate. They are trying to uh, attack the West in intellectually and now physically on the streets, etc. But it's very rich to hear that from kleptocratic royal families who don't really give their people property rights, don't really allow inventions beyond how to use oil in their countries. I can't think of any products that are coming out of their country that are worth much. And and yet, yes, they are might be having a common enemy with us against the theocrats, since they're not theocratic. They might be our allies in geopolitical gamesmanship, sort of the Game of Thrones, if you will, as far as stability against Iran, stability against some of the regional players. But that hasn't gotten us far, has it? And these folks are anti-Islamists because these are monsters that they helped create. And they know that they're going to bite them in the rear. And they 
Where did all these immigrants, by the way, in the last five to ten years as the Assad regime purged them out of Syria in an ethnic cleansing, why, why did that happen? And now the Emirates welcomes Bashar back to the fold of the Arab councils in the region. It's absurd. It's nauseating. It's disgusting. We get the right about Islamists. They're certainly not our allies because of that. We, we fight Islamists because we believe in our constitutional and our social contract about religious freedom, religious liberty. A country under God, not under Islam, but under God. And that it should be based on a country on principles, character, morality, but not on theological definition. This is an old debate that was the American Revolution against theocrats of Britain and otherwise. So... There's a lot to digest about what's happening in France. You're going to hear a lot of people that are trying to sort of emphasize why America and the West should have alliances with kings and others and the MBSs, the mafias of the Muslim world, if you will. They might be some things they're doing much better than the Islamists, but there's a bunch of other things that are much worse and much more horrific and a huge waste of resources that could be used for modernization, human rights, and real good moral use rather than the horrific kleptocratic stuff they're doing. But it's a sad day when the wisdom the Western leaders of the free world heed comes from kleptocrats and quasi-theocrats whose only product is oil and petro-Islam. So, the immigrants, to you that come to this country like my father did, like my mother did, seeking freedom, seeking liberty, seeking to learn what it is to be an American and embrace that social contract, come, you're welcome, be vetted, believe in this country, and come here to serve the American dream and serve your country and embrace American national identity embrace the identity of other western countries that you seek to to join but for the rest of you that are coming for simply economic exploitation for propagandistic spread to tell them here in the west that they are racist that they're islamophobic that they are zionists and that you know the real roots of israel which is your anti-semitism don't come here and we should fight we should fight with every fiber of our body the the penchant to somehow say this is a response rooted in racism no it's rooted in a love for our country that ultimately just like americans fought back after 1770 plus years of theocracy they fought for the first country of democracy based in liberty as many countries in Europe also did at that time, so too, so too can Muslims go through that same reformation. And that's what our Muslim reform movement's about. But we will have to hold them accountable, not with the bigotry of low expectations, but accountable that those who are in the streets burning down 
the West, like the Taliban burned down the Buddha statues and the ISIS folks burned down the uh, um, history of Palmyra and others in Syria and Iraq. They can destroy all they want, but our history shows that the West had revolutions trying to improve the standing and equality of their people towards true liberty and freedom, which is what we talked about at the beginning of the program with the Supreme Court decision, is that we're still making courts corrections here and there trying to continue to live up to our values of meritocracy and otherwise inequality. But at the end of the day, the top countries people want to come to is in the West, not in the Islamist world. And remind yourselves that, remind your families that, Give sermons about that in your mosques in Paris and every town in France and in Belgium. Instead of the largest mosques here in America being the Baltimore Mosque, which is funded by the religious Dianet of Turkey, which is Islamist and an Erdogan-type movement of the AKP, maybe instead of that, we have grassroots mosques being built like so many others that do exist across America and part of American history. But not the Dianet mosques and not the Islamist Shia Khomeinist mosques that are not about religious freedom, but about spewing anti-Semitism and anti-Western hate. So much more to talk about, but I think one thing is clear as I leave you this week. Follow the stories in France. Follow what's happening. Don't let that be a blip because it's only going to intermittently continue to increase until we come full circle back to what we went through in the summers during the pandemic with the Black Lives Matter movement and others. Thank you again for joining me. Hope you and your family are doing well this summer and enjoying any vacationing and and time off that you have. God bless you. Find me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R and also at Reform This Radio. We'll see you soon on Reform This. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.